I got to be exposed to a lot of things. Um, and it kind of taught me how to be an artist. Like it, this emotional thing that was always required of me to like really be thinking about the things that I'm learning and how it makes me feel and like write in my journal twice a day. Um, like that's the sort of thing that taught me what kind of like eventually what allowed me to feel like I was an artist because I'd been, it'd been kind of groomed in me for many years. You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Jahan Zenderly is best known and loved for her creative brainchild, Geronimo Balloons, which she started in 2011. After growing up in Seattle, Jahan moved to LA in her 20s and has spent the last seven years making oversized balloon installations on buildings, at weddings, in homes, and most recently for the New York City Ballet. Jahan is the first woman to ever be commissioned in an artist series by the New York City Ballet, and you can catch the final dates of her series in NYC on February 2nd and 24th. Jahan is a bi-coastal bay, but she happened to be in LA this month and popped in for our chat. Oh, girl. Tomorrow's my half birthday. Is it? I celebrate yeah. my half birthday. What do you do? Um, well, growing up, I mean, I, I was, my, I had a summer birthday. So if you had a summer birthday, you had to celebrate on your half birthday. So January 6th would be when I'd get like to bring like a treat to school, or it would be the day that I would receive the gifts that I had found at Christmas time. And my mom was like, you're not getting the, (laughs) you're not getting the mounted butterflies this year, sweetie. And then on my half birthday, like two weeks later, I'd get, I'd get my, I get the socks that I had uncovered, you that know. That is amazing. Yes. Do you have do you have siblings? Mm-mm. No siblings. I am well, well kind of. So I'm an only child, but my fa- my parents divorced when I was very young and he's gone on to have many children by many women and they're all about like the same age and one of his he was like a professor and ha- we 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 like text once a year for our, like hello, happy new year. He lives in Turkey. <clears throat> and this woman found me uh, through my website years and years ago. And she was like, I was your father's student and we had a child. And I'm just oh, so Oh, <laughs> yes. And my boyfriend at the time has raised it as my as our own. And I mean, it was just like this whole saga. But I hadn't seen the message had been in like spam for for months. And so by the time I re- responded to it, it was like, you know, I think she had kind of assumed I would never respond. But. Yeah, so I have like, I mean, I think in 20 years, like maybe some, like four boys in the, you know. Wow. I mean, now 23 and me, like you guys are all going to get your your DNA tested and then you'll get like results that just like you have a sibling living in, bang, and you'll just find out. Yeah, they're going to be interesting places too, like Hungary, Texas, (laughs) and like five in Istanbul. Uh, And ironically, those are the same place. (laughs) Don't Texas doesn't isn't Texas known for having like the big gulps and all like the big like and maybe well, I'm just... what was that ironic about <laughs> because he's a big gulper <laughs> because he said hungry Texas oh I get it I get it um are you married I'm not married is it because I have it, re- gold rings it is I know it throws people off um I don't like the way rings look on any of my other fingers other than my ring fingers but. No, I actually um, am divorced. 
I was married and divorced by the ripe old age of 22. Yes, well yep. done. And uh, I hawked that ring, and I've never seen it again. And let's see, these are just uh, these are just special rings. That this is actually a ring that I bought from Gwyneth Paltrow. Like directly from her, just went to her she had, she Etsy was like doing, shop. No, yeah, Gwyneth's Etsy shop. <laughs> It was um it was a little GoFundMe page. She went on vacation. Uh no, she had like some pop up with like her jewelry for like charity or something like this. And so I like I bought it and I was like, Oh my god, what a Paltrow's ring. Oh my gosh. I wonder if I can't even think of her name. Martin. Chris Martin. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, wait. It was a Chris Martin ring. It was from it's Chris. For those who can't see, it's just a, it's a spiral ring with diamonds on the end. It's actually Looks like it's two rings. Uh, it's just very sim- simple I'm bands. I'm pretty sure that's the ring he gave her the day she gave birth to Apple. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's why it's engraved inside with Apple. <laughs> um, you did say you wanted this episode to be about lying. You know, the thing is, like, I I see this girl at this coffee shop almost every day. And, she, well, she used to... Anyway, she's in the hood. And she works for Gwyneth Paltrow. She works for Goop. And so I get to hear things about, like, Chris Martin and Gwyneth. And is Gwyneth engaged or is she not? And what she's like. And the, yeah. Anyway, I have, like, niche knowledge about Gwyneth. You may have an insider. I like insider her. Scoop. I'm okay with Gwyneth. I kind of, like... She's an underdog. She's, like, a much unloved person that I'm, like, I can get around. She's an underdog? Everyone wants to make fun of her. She, like... She's I've not, never heard of Gwyneth Paltrow so, described as an underdog she's before. She's a social underdog for sure. Really? Tell Is me more. Is purple your favorite color? No. Okay, because I'm I'm seeing all these purple highlights everywhere, and I had been convinced that your chandelier was all purple because it's, it's chrome it's like, and it's brass. Coming, it's coming and eating your um, your neon light. Neon. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, I'm sorry. Talk to me more. <laughs> what else do you what What do you think? No, no. Tell me about. I want to hear. I want to hear this this thought that Gwyneth Paltrow <clears throat> is a social underdog. What does that oh, mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple other ones. Like I think. Um, oh, Anne Hathaway is a social underdog. Um, They're kind of like people who can't get a break no matter what they do. I think Kira Knightley was a social underdog for a while, and then she was gone, and so now people are okay with her again. But I think there's people who are like too saturated in our in our in our news cycle, mm-hmm. and what they're doing is not really. People are just find it annoying, or mm-hmm. there's something pr- annoying about them. There's just people who are. I don't think they can help it. They're just annoying. There's some some annoyance about them. Like they're not trying to be. So those when people it, that you just mentioned yeah. are annoying. They're like people would look at their face and have you ever met someone you just want to slap them because they look annoying? I think there's just like some celebrities who are just like that who like <laughs> you look at and then you're like I I'm gonna slap you because you're annoying. But like they have not done anything. They're just they're just existing, very annoyingly. What about? There's One lots of the of Kardashians. I love all of the Kardashians. Do you? I do. And I have like a new favorite one every day. Um, I think forever Kim will be my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Because Kanye is my favorite. I'm Tell a, me about I'm your big, love for Kanye. <clears throat> I love Kanye so much. Um, and sometimes like you just don't know why you love someone. And I think in some ways like he's given me a lot of reasons not to love him. But in the end of the, at the end of the day, I'm, every time I hear a little sound clip or a little thought from Kanye, I'm like, you are 
a brilliant human who hasn't learned how to navigate ex expressing yourself in a way that doesn't turn people off. But like if he, if another person had his message and he spent some time like drafting and redrafting it, I think he would be considered like one of the better thinkers of today. Creative thinkers, uh, like social, uh, uh, cultural, his cultural questioning is like, he's an, he's an instigator. He likes to like, kind of like flick off of flick on, mm -hmm. flick off, flick on. He does. That's very true. Do you think what he does is intentional? I think he does not think. And so what he does is his, is his impulse. And I think that actually makes for a really strong artist, because if you're constantly rethinking everything, wondering how it's going to be um, uh, taken, perceived, uh, greeted, you, every, n nothing you're doing is, is true. It's all through a lens. And I think because he can just, I think Jim Carrey is another one, their thoughts are at a different rate of, of normal human being. And so when they communicate, uh, they are just sharing their complete unfiltered thoughts, which like you and I cannot share because we need to ha collect up. Uh, um, we have a year, we have years and years of a career left where we <laughs> need people not to think we're not totally bad shit. Yeah. Yeah. You can swear. But I don't I've actually never said bad shit. I don't think. So I was raised to not swear. Oh. And so when I choose my my like swear words, like they have got to be really good ones. Oh, are you saying yeah. bad shit? Isn't that good? No, bad shit's like that's a waste of time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You have to get like really like you're like you have to do that F word like twenty five times and then like draw it out. Like, oh F oh, twenty minutes later. Okay. Did you ever live <clears throat> in Turkey? I've never lived in Turkey. I was raised in Seattle. Oh. Very different than Turkey. Just a bit. Very different. Um, my parents went to college, and then I lived my life with mostly with my mother. And so I, I visited Turkey many times, but I'm not a dual citizen. And uh, right now, I don't even think I can get a, a, a visa. I don't even think I can go there because it's part of Trump's ban uh. Uh, for, yeah. So Interesting, but you're, yes. but you are. Was, was your mom Turkish? My mom is American. A little bit of everything. My father is Turkish, Turkish, which is a little bit of everything too, because they kind of raped and plumaged a lot, of, a lot of people. So mm, they did. Um, and from the story I told you earlier, you know, it may still be happening. It may still be happening. It's in the blood. It's like, go to Texas and find me a woman. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So how so if this episode is about lying, how much of what you said so far has been true? Everything that I've said has been true. Yes. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, today I had to file a claim for I was rear-ended by an Uber Eats driver a couple days ago. Uh, and the, every time they would ask you me a question, they'd be like, Can you confirm that to the best of your knowledge that this is the truth? And it was like everything from like, was it at two thirty five or two fifteen? To the best of your knowledge, was this true? Where, and, where was this? Uber was asking you this? <laughs> now, the insurance the company for the, oh. the, the offensive driver who, who, uh, who plowed into me last Saturday. So That sucks. Yeah, it's You're whatever. Right? Yeah, I'm fine. Was it here in LA? It was. Yes, it was indeed. Someone slowing down to check out an address and they just kind of like rend. That's so bump. That's so like, this is like a, this is like such a boring conversation. It's not that boring. It's pretty boring. Wow. 
however, half of his car broke off. Oh. And none of my car broke off. So, you know, that's what happens when you hit me. You just like, I drive an, ar- I drive an armored vehicle. And so you just can't. You can't yeah. mess. Don't no. mess. Um, speaking of rings, do you wear a ring? Do you wear a wedding ring? I wear, yeah. I so actually, many rings. Normally I don't wear <clears throat> the. What is the green one? That one is so beautiful. I don't know. I have a friend named Jenny. Moon pie. She she would have probably bumped into her. Right oh, here. I know someone she dated. Yes, probably. Yeah. yeah. I What's also his know name? She He's dated. so sweet. Wait, can we talk about other people? Other um, people. Yeah, are we allowed to can. mention people sure. on the podcast? We can. What happened to him? Well, he's still around. He just oh. is. He just doesn't um, come he out. Li- he likes to hang out. Like he's very <clears throat> private. He works a lot. Yeah. And just likes to edit. And then he shoots. And then he edits. And he's not a big. I had a I had such a huge crush on him. Really? Yeah, years ago. Mm. We met in France. Whoa. Yeah, we were both at going to like he was working at a wedding and I was like a, a connected to this wedding anyway. Yeah. Are you dating now? I am dating. Mm. Uh-huh. Not something? him, not Wade. <laughs> I would make room for Wade though. Oh. Yeah. Um I'm looking actually for a younger lover currently. I'm looking for under 25 just wow. for fun. Just for fun. Just for fun. I'm going to be 33 and I think it's time I like I I go Scale for back. a much younger man. Okay. All right. no, normally it's an older man. My my top is about 20 years and I had that for a moment and then I was like I think we're going I think we're we're going to go the opposite direction. Okay. Yeah. Is that who you're dating now? No. 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 I'm okay. dating someone older than me now. <laughs> but but by like a year. <laughs> oh. But you're ready. You're ready for the young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. young ones. Okay. Okay, 25 yeah. is out there. 25s. Yeah. I'll take I'll take multiple boyfriends and lovers, girlfriends. I'll take anything. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mm-hmm. mean, it's 2018. 2018. Got to do what you got to do. Plus, do. that's the Unor- that's the the Unork. That is the New York way. The New York way. The New York way is very multiple lovers. Oh, so I think I that's hear. The, I think that's the everywhere but the U.S. kind of way. True. I think for for uh, for European standards. To a two-lover uh, house, household or lifestyle is like pretty normal. Pretty normal. It's true. Yeah, it's true. There's yeah. different. There's different ways to love someone, mm, or yeah. to, to to love people, and and partnership may look different at different points of a relationship. I think yeah. the U.S. has got the old Puritan lockdown thing going on. They sure do. I don't know. I, I think I'm gonna move. I'm going to try to find a, find a way to go to Turkey and just like ha- just collect collect lovers. <laughs> there are a lot of feral cats there. I could collect feral cl- cats and lovers. <laughs> there yeah. are a lot of feral cats. Mm-hmm. I, we went to Istanbul like years ago and it was, first of all, it was amazing. Like one of the best cities yeah. ever in the world. Beautiful. So old, so amazing. When Loved did it. you go? Um, Like more than 10 years ago? Uh, maybe like nine years ago. How long have you guys been dabbling? 13, 14. Dablin of marriage or of togetherness? Uh, marriage, 12. That's so many years. <laughs> Since you were 20? Yeah, uh, 19, yeah. Wow. I know. Okay, I got married when I was 20. Mm, yep, yep. Yep. And how, you said it ended two years later. It did. It mm-hmm. ended two years later. It should have ended the next day. I remember um, he wanted, a, we got married on a Friday. We had a reception on a Saturday. And we I, we went after the reception back to our apartment, which we had 
never slept in together and he wanted to watch Batman Begins Oop. and watch it on a beanbag which is where we fell asleep that night and not this is actually sounding a lot more romantic than it was at the time but there was like exactly no passion in our marriage oh did you ever live together before you got no, married no no I was raised Mormon um. and I had a Mormon husband and I had a Mormon life and it was like you know now we're just buds. Right. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. Yes. So do you so do you talk about this anywhere? Is this like no, a thing you're open to talking about? I'm very open to talking about it. I never oops. I never talk about it. Okay. Um, but I'm happy to talk about it. I'm like All right. So tell me about what it was like to where did you grow up Mormon? In Washington, which is really in Seattle, which okay. is actually a very progressive place to mm-hmm. be yeah. raised Mormon. It's not in Utah. It's not in, you know, it's not in a place where everyone is expected to be. Um, My mom married a Turkish um, Muslim man. So, I mean, like already my life was different from the start. My mom didn't didn't go to church until I was like 12, 13 when she was like, we should probably have some sort of spiritual church like influence. And then it was like, now we're going to really go to church. So that that was like, it was later in life that it kind of came to be. And when it when it arrived, I was like, yes, I love this thing. This is the best thing. I love being Mormon. I love being religious. I love giving so much of my time to this thing, which was re- like great things like, you know, doing community service and helping each other and like going to classes that you would learn some sort of skill in I mean it was just like it was a time of like I got to be exposed to a lot of things um and it kind of taught me how to be an artist like it this emotional thing that was always required of me to like really be thinking about the things that I'm learning and how it makes me feel and like write in my journal twice a day um like that's the sort of thing that taught me what kind of like eventually what allowed me to feel like I was an artist because I'd been it had been kind of groomed in me for many years. Wow. Yeah. Is journaling two times jo- a day a Mormon thing? Journaling is a very big Mormon thing. Um, and it is not like a two times a day kind of thing. It's more like you need to keep a record of your life. And so like. For who? For your posterity, for yourself, for for uh, record keeping. I mean, like. You got to know when you last had like chocolate, you know, chocolate chip souffle. Is that even a thing? I don't know. I mean, clearly it is now. (laughs) Um, I was not a journaler. Like that was, I was like a fake journaler. So I had like my journal and I would like scribble things in it and then I'd be like, I journaled. Yeah. And your parents weren't together at this point. So your mom was like, okay, we're doing this. No, it's journaling time. Yeah. Okay. Which is funny because I actually always keep a journal with me now and it's it's for practical reasons, but I really, really like the process of writing things down. And, and I mean, it teaches you how to write, Mm. I mean, and how to put pen to paper, Mm. improve your penmanship, all of the things that like you may not be learning how to do otherwise. Journaling's great. Yeah. And you have to talk about your feelings. Well, I bet you could journal without talking about your feelings, but you kind of should. It's good. Do you journal? I do. I've gone through seasons of my life where I do a lot and then I mm-hmm. do and then like I want to. Um, 
growing up, I journaled every single day and my journal was oh, wow. hilarious because it was like, do you have all of them? Yeah. Somewhere like at my mom's house. So hopefully she keeps everything. So probably, but <laughs> I got like those, um, spiral notebooks yeah. and then I was practice my penmanship uh-huh. and write what I did every single day. And some of the days I would write the date and then I would write today. We did absolutely nothing. <laughs> And that would you was practice my... your name with your crush? Would you? Would you? No. Okay. I was never mm-hmm. into boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a problem, but I just wasn't. Um, I had a bumper sticker inside my car. Not mm. on. I wasn't allowed to put them on the actual bumper of the car, but inside the car, I put it inside the car, and it was like one of those stick figure drawings, mm-hmm. and it said, "Boys are stupid. Throw rocks at them." And mm-hmm. like a boy was running, and rocks were throwing at him being thrown at him so um yeah no you were in it you were in it you weren't journaling about like no nope. tyler on the bus no nope. yeah no tyler on the bus i used my journal to talk about tyler on the bus and um also i would make a list of everything that i intended to do for every year of my life so like by 30 by th- by 33 for sure I would have had like a raised box garden. I would have had like four kids at this point. I mean, I knew exactly when I would be in and out of different phases in life and it would be like half a year and it'd be like the year that it was and then like 32 and a half to 33. Like that is impressive. Yeah, I would be very very specific. Oh my gosh. That's what that's what I did for journaling. That's I just like dreamt what I could possibly have. That's was, so cool though. I feel yeah, like it was like dreaming a, up your life. It, like they always say that if you write down your dreams, <clears throat> there's like more chance that they're going to happen. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Not that you have four children and a raised box No, garden. and those, those were not the dreams that I ended up really wanting to have. But mm. you kind of have to get into the motion of dreaming, right? You do. Like wanting something is a level of vulnerability that like not all people can allow themselves. Mm, that's Just true. to put it out there. But I don't I don't really like share my dreams like I like to keep them to myself. And mm. if I tell anyone then I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. Like, oh. <laughs> it, it can't happen if you share it. Like wow. it's, it's like your birthday wishes. Yeah. It's like you've gotten that that the joy of talking about it prematurely has has come and gone. And then you're like, well, maybe I'm a little bit less. Maybe it's a little bit less precious. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. So what was something being raised Mormon? that like what was something that you loved about it because you said you loved it and you loved the journaling and you loved sort of the that you were like all in and it and sort of what was something that you really found meaning in or what was something that you loved so much that you were like oh gosh sharing your sharing your feelings or like that you believe in something is like such to stand behind some some thought or some idea and then you're like nope this is what I believe this is what I believe it can be to the detriment of so many human beings because they can't think out they're, they're actually not going through a process to really truly believe a certain thing they're just kind of going with what maybe they've been taught but um I think the whole the whole idea of like learning how to believe like feel something and believe it to the core when it's like intangible like I'll have like little moments of magic that happen to me in LA and it I apply the same sort of um kind of like I connect to it almost the same as when I was Mormon which is like I see something and it's my intuition, right? It's like the intuition of something feeling so beautiful or pure or good in another human being or on the side of the road or like an interaction. And that makes me feel kind of like I'm 15 again at church. And it's, it's, um, 
feeling moved by something in it in it being like is it good I don't even think it's so much like the the value of it it doesn't it's just it is like you you you're able to really like identify what what something is for me Hmm. does that make sense yeah meaning meaning making in in what you see and in creating like but but it's like you believe but because you believe it so strongly you're like this is I feel very secure that this is, is exactly the experience what the experience that I'm having is like seeing seeing the truth in something mm. anyways I like it so you uh, grew up in Seattle Washington the, yeah yes. no 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 I get that mm-hmm. but you grew up in the church and then you married a Mormon boy he did yes. and where did you guys meet we met at church through church. We met through like church friends, which is like where you're going to meet the people you're going to, you know. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're like, you're in your little circle and there is one cute boy who walks up and then you start making plans and then you realize that to be married um, expedites all of the plans that you have for your, yourself. So like they become so much bigger than just you traveling after you graduate from college. It's like, we have to do this together and then we're going to have a house together. But all of this like means that we need to have commitments and we need to be married so that we can travel together so that we can sleep in the same bed together. All of these practical things come Mm -hmm. at, at, at just like a really healthy stage of being in love with someone and just dreaming for the future. And Mm. so, I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of a weird and powerless part of my life where I really felt like there had to be a partnership to, to accomplish that. He was 10 years older and I mean, that was, these were the least of our problems. We just, we really weren't meant to be like a love forever. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And I can, can barely remember what he looks like. Wow. Yeah. Do you guys keep in touch at all? No. So you don't, you don't like stalk him and see like how no. many kids he has? No, I've looked once and I thought he looked significantly worse than when I left him. And I was, I could never imagine a day that he wasn't like pristinely beautiful. Yes. And also, I think he wore to his wedding the wa- uh, the watch that I gave him for our wedding and the jacket that I bought him for like a Christmas. And it's, I thought that was very bizarre that he would wear two items from his previous life to his new life. Oh, my gosh. Were you guys <clears throat> so you guys moved in together when you got married? Did you yes. do like the whole Mormon no sex before? Oh, marriage? Yes, okay. yes, yes. And D- then you got didn't married. Didn't see a penis before I got married. Wow. Like, was very, very. And I, I wasn't very turned on by him. And I just thought that it was like God was blessing me to be chaste and pure. And so by the time we got married, I was like, I'm actually don't think I'm attracted to you, oh. which is like not the greatest thing to discover. Oh. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. No <clears throat> penis. No before penis. Before you got married. Mm-hmm. And actually, I forgot that I was having sex until like maybe 20 minutes before. Like, I mean, we, we had our, our marriage and we had gone to dinner with our family. Like, we had like a really s- small wedding and then like our reception the next night. So it was like arriving to, we say that, um, uh, uh, on top of some waterfalls. And it was um so loud that I couldn't hear anything he was saying because it was just the sound of the like the, <laughs> like the the beating of the Snoqualmie waterfalls in Snoqualmie Washington <laughs> and it set quite a mood and then I remember he was wearing no shirt and I was like why is he not wearing a shirt this seems this seems off and then I realized oh yes I am married now and now you're There's probably going to be some penis coming out next. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And 
that I mean that's that's amazing. I don't I don't know if I've ever actually talked to anyone who ne- literally never even there was no penis. I mean, I'd been flashed on like public transportation, but I had never seen my lover's penis. I'd never felt one. Never seen, never seen it. If, that, if, that's the bull, if one that's brushed the against me in clothing, I would have like my body wouldn't have known. It was just like you won't feel anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the that's the pull quote for this yes. episode. No, <laughs> no penis. Hadn't seen it. <laughs> Amazing. So then, so what? So okay. So you're 20 years old. You're yeah. getting married, and all of a sudden. You're going from not even seeing a penis to yeah. Well, I actually sex. learned how to use a, a tampon right before I got married because my gynecologist was like, "You don't know how to use a tampon," because I was like very disconnected from my body, and and you're a virgin. You need to at least learn how to use a tampon before you get married. It was a big month, and like maybe two months before that, I got my license. Oh, driver's wow. license. It was a short amount of time where my life was really expanding. Wow. Wow, and I think wow. about that so much. And I was like, what, what was I, how was I even operating? Like, I, like, I felt, I feel so empowered in my life in every way now that like you go and you do and you have, and like everything was like <sighs> getting a license and learning how to use a tampon. I was just maybe a very late bloomer for everything. I mean, that just sounds like a really exciting year, but maybe if it had been like when you were 16, but 20 is great. 20 is great to start. <laughs> I, I was almost it. 21 too. Oh, yes. Yeah. It okay. was a big period. This is very exciting. I okay. love this story. Good. So you, you, okay, day one, yes. penis. P- penis, day um, one. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, you're like, nah, right? Well, it was like pretty much immediately. It was like, nah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. We okay. just didn't, we honestly did not see the same color in the sky like what and I like uh, he was attractive and he like had things going for him he really liked Hawaiian music which at the time I was like he likes Hawaiian music he likes he likes world beats this is fantastic (laughs) um world beats but we like we just aren't we weren't wired the same way and so there wasn't there was nothing about that love that changed my heart the boyfriend that I had before him every other person I've been with since has like done something to like affect me and it's it's sort of sad to me that the person I actually married is like the, the least interesting of all of them, mm. which is just a reflection of like I had nothing. T- I really wasn't certain how much I could give. So mm. you just are feeling a lot less. Mm. Yeah. My family never liked him. Mm. I'm pretty sure his family never liked me. But I was also like a child. So yeah, I, uh, there wasn't a lot of life that I was relating on. Yeah. For sure not. The things you do. The things you do when you're 19 and 20 years old. Yes. Oh my gosh. So things then, mm-hmm. at what point were you like, also Mormonism not? I stuck with it until, so then I, let's see, a timeline. So by 22, divorced. By 25, I had moved to LA. I was like kind of living a double life where I still wanted to be Mormon, but for the first time I was dating like people who weren't Mormon and like, one of them was a smoker. I remember that. It was like, I just felt like, oh, I was with the bad boy. And he was, I had never French kissed my husband either. We ne- we never French kissed while we were married. I had French kissed other people and he had as well. And it, it, occasionally we would talk about the fact that we weren't French kissing. And he was like, well, I just, I just don't eat it. And so I didn't really think much about it. So when you haven't French kissed for 
more than two years of your life because we were dating and engaged and married for, you know, like maybe three years of my life. And I hadn't French kissed anyone since, you know, I was like 18, which, you know, whatever. It, you you start dating again and you realize that you you just don't even know how to hold someone's hands or or a French kiss. You don't have that backbone in you anymore. And so I had to like relearn it over with like the bad boy who smoked and he didn't want anyone to know he smoked, but I knew he smoked because I was kissing him. And <laughs> anyway, that was did you that was my twenty five year old first L A love. Oh, you know. So then. I'm just getting the timeline in my head. <clears throat> so I'm like 25, turning 26, and I'm dating this guy, and things are changing with my my world in LA. The things that I'm being exposed to, this is the first time I've ever really lived away from, from home and the same color sky. And I was being touched by other people's lives in ways, and I was being able to like like LA really did a number on me, and it opened up so so many emotional things for me. Um, and I was meeting people, and I was having my own experiences that kind of questioned how I how I was believing. And the more I, I reflected on my my true feelings, the less that they really aligned with being Mormon. But it's like. It's like not getting along with your best friend. You kind of want to hold on. There's like these parts that do make sense to you and you want to still hang out and have Saturday brunch. But then you're like, honestly, it hurts me to hang out with you. And so after time, you know, it's it, it, it took a few years, but I was like, no more brunch church. I think we're done. So. And so it wasn't it wasn't like a harsh breakup. It was no, a slow. It was a, a slow, slow breakup. Yeah. 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 I have other friends who've left um, either the Mormon church or other religions. And yeah. it's just like, I'm done. And there's like a no. line and it's over. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can understand that, but for me it was, it was so much more gradual. Yeah. It was like a, it was a, it was a slow burn on a breakup for about five years. Mm, yeah. Okay. It took a long so time. So then not until you were 30. I think 30 is when I really finally embraced it, but I would say 29 Things had been changing. I was engaged at this point, so I'd given love a second chance. Ooh. And I was very, very in love. And the person I was going to marry was um, was Mormon, but I had already determined that I didn't want a Mormon marriage lifestyle. And so that was part of our that was part of the problem. That was okay. like that was gonna be that was that was like we had enough problems, but this was going to be the one that kind of like really sort of killed things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's actually no longer Mormon either. So it's kind of funny that we, you know, you were just now a we can ahead. really make it. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think so. However, I was on Spotify this week and he wrote a breakup album, breakup album about us and it's it's actually really a beautiful album. And I was listening to it and I was realizing like I'm we're friends with all the same people. We're friends with each other on Facebook. What if someone were to look over at Spotify and see that Jahan was on and listening to this song? It would seem a little bit self, like, I don't know, self-loving or self-loathing, one of the two. But mm, Yeah, there's <clears throat> there's a word for that. that. That would be the kind of thing that I would see, and I would screenshot it, and I would send it to, like, 25 people. Like, did you see she's listening to the breakup album that was written about her? And I'd be like, yeah, I found that out. <laughs> I'd probably, do that, too. I'd sleuth, probably do, that too. Um, do, you, probably do that too. I think. Yeah. I like, I like being like, 
Can you believe? I just think human behavior is really interesting. That's probably why I do this podcast because yeah. I love talking to people about things that I'm like, oh, no way. Because oh, no way. Everyone's like, you know, Jahan, the balloon girl. I'm like, yeah, obviously. Uh-huh. I've gotten lots of likes because of you. She just loves those balloons so much. You she know? just is so into latex. <laughs> she loves that latex. Wait, didn't I read that yours are like biodegradable? There, yeah, but there... no one believes me, so it's like not even worth telling people that. They're like, we don't believe you. She's lying. I have like a troll in the neighbor, like literally in my neighborhood, who's like, anytime I write on the internet that they're biodegradable, he's like, she's lying. They're not. <laughs> She's my neighbor. I know they're not biodegradable. It's like you just an- need to do like a time lapse video <laughs> of a bunch of your balloons like being added to a compost. And then just like yeah. the timestamp of like weeks as they just slowly turn into carrots. <laughs> 10 years later, you have purple carrots. <laughs> um, I love it. I, you know, I, I don't m- make my own balloons, so I could be being lied to. But I'm pretty certain that the oldest balloon company in America, has, like family owned, they can't be lying about this for 80 no, years. No. It's latex. It's, you know, like. You wouldn't, you would hope not. I don't think they are. They're from the Midwest. They seem very, Oh, yeah. Very Midwesterners they, are. They're, they're trustworthy for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They are. Um, okay. Yes, so Scrolling I'm, back. Mm-hmm, Scrolling back to mm-hmm. your, your life your life history. Yes. Okay. So you, <clears throat> you decide to – the thing that I'm really curious about right now. Yes. Is that you left uh-huh. your – you left your husband and not your faith. Which I yes. feel like is remarkable because most people yeah. might throw both out at the same time uh-huh. or they might just stay married because they believe that's what their faith wants them to do. Yes. And so even if one of the thing, one of the two things isn't serving them, they're going to keep both or throw both. Well, I was pained by all of it. So staying would have meant I would have like been kind of following the rules um I remember I told like my church leader that I was planning to to leave my husband I had it like very well planned out even down to like the day and I had like waiting for him to come home from work and I'm like this we're now it's ending but uh, like our church leaders knew that I was leaving which is kind of awkward to think about that I wasn't even really discussing with him um since it was directly affecting him um uh, they were like, God wants you to stay together, sister. Like, you know, like I was, I was being treated with like this is this this is going to be something you're going to learn from. You're going to be so happy, and I, I like needed to trust my intuition on this one, and I'm so glad I did. And it's not for any personal reasons against him, other than I shouldn't have been married, and I shouldn't have been married to him, and I needed it needed to end. We would have never had a happy marriage. Like it, it was, it was never going to be something. So leaving the church after that, like would have been a problem for me because I was like trying to gain back a sense of like worthiness and hope and like going to church and being active gave me a sense of that. It gave me finally a sense of belonging to something bigger than myself again. And I mean, it kind of saved me out of being depressed from being, um, you know, like a 22-year-old divorcee. But it changed. I mean, it changed how I felt towards the idea, the ideal of like getting married and having children and starting off really young and like beginning that partnership. 
um, is is the thing that uh, catapults you to the rest of the things in your life. And you, you hold off all other decisions until you've made that one choice. So where are you going to move to? The, the kind of career you're going to have? Um, how you're going to how you're going to travel, spend your money, all of that is determined once you get married. And I wasn't a partner with with my husband. He was ten years older, and that, that's like a significant amount of time when you're a twenty year old marrying a thirty year old. Um, I will mention he was actually married and divorced before me, so he had even like had like some stuff that had happened in his life. But I, um, is this so boring? I feel like this is so boring. I don't think it's boring. I think uh, it's interesting. Well, anyway, so uh, yeah, he went on and he has children now, and I, I assume he's very happy. So, so Third glad for him. Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm, and he's no longer Mormon either. So, oh, uh, and that was dropping part, like flies around here, guys. I, I kind of feel like it's not. It's not really. It's it's a time to learn how to meditate and maybe smoke weed, but it's not the time to go to church on Sunday for three hours. Like everything goes through time and season. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, um, I feel like a lot of people that I've encountered, and a lot of them being in LA, but also just in general, there has been sort of a evolution out of super structured faith religion. Um, but it is a lot more our age, so I'm wondering if yeah. it's just an just like common for our age to do that, or if it's just this time in history. This time in history, our age, or maybe the fact that we are creatives who found each other in, um, I mean, think of the person that it takes to like move from your community and go to a big city and kind of like put everything on the line, including your, your ego and your, like, your like hopes and dreams, please come true. I'm moving here. You have had some life-changing moments or you've had some things that have really made you grow, which is determining for yourself what you truly believe in. Um, maybe saying goodbye to things that aren't working for you. I, I just, I feel like there's a certain human being who throughout their life will continually have to like kind of um, reevaluate what their truth is. And I think we're in a city that's full of those. So the people you're being surrounded by are, are people who have had to kind of like crawl out from where they used to belong into where they really thrive. So I don't know. I don't know if, if you lived in... Missouri or not to give you know not to give Missouri a bad name but if you lived in a really small town you may not have the same you may think that all of your friends are like oh they're all still going to church and having children and and being super conservative in those ways Mm -hmm. so we're kind of we're in the spot yeah how's how uh sorry I'm interrupting you um how is LA different from New York because you're sort of like oh yeah the bi coast So I think I'm L.A. through and through. Hmm. Um, New York is beautiful because I live in L.A. And L.A. is wonderful because I have New York to balance it against. So like New York, I feel like everyone kind of like hasn't reevaluated anything in their life. And they're uh, we're just they're kind of just like you have to live this way. You have to walk this way. You have to look this way. And I feel like everyone in L.A. is kind of like they have a little bit more time. They're looking up at the stars a bit more. And there's no there's no speed to making a, a decision like you just got to f- figure it out as it comes. And New York is, is like you have to know and be very certain in the moment. And that's a really interesting lesson for me because that's not who I am. I like to sit on things and really kind of communicate with myself if something feels right or, or, or good in business especially. And in New York, you can't say things like, 
um, I'm, you can use words like feeling or vibe or um, uh, mood. I mean, they, they, you need to have hard evidence for the, for the decisions you're making for your business and for your career. And in LA, I feel like you can get by in a business meeting saying something like, uh, well, the vibe was off, you know, as oh, a, as sure. a, as a reason why you, you maybe chose something else. Yeah. yeah. That would never, that could never work in New York. Really? Yeah. So huh. I think, I think there's just a different pressure in, in, um, in, in knowing things. Um, everyone has friends that are their best friends. I mean, there's like just a really interesting culture there, but I appreciate that people are like made of stronger, thicker skin and they just like, they're out there and they just like, you know, they don't care what anyone thinks. And I really appreciate that. I, I think I would, I think I get, <laughs> I appreciate that. I think I also, Whenever I go there, I always feel like super tired in like two seconds because everyone's moving so fast and sensory overload just mm -hmm. seems like everything's loud, smells really strong. It's kind of like when I'm in India where I'm just like, whoa, where where do I yeah. go to breathe? Because at least here, L.A., everything's kind of one level. Sure. And probably because of earthquakes, but nothing's built up. <laughs> so like you can go outside and you can see the sky and you mm -hmm. can see you can look down the street and see the end of yeah. the street. But in New York, everything's built up, so you uh -huh. can only see like 10 feet in front of you and everything's True. moving fast and there's yeah. like steam coming up from the street <laughs> vents and it's just like... A lot of stimulation. Okay, so I actually feel the opposite as wow. far as like living there. It's a place that I sleep in. I don't make any sort of social plans or engagements because I don't really belong anywhere there. All of the friends that I've made have been, you know, the, like they're people who are transplants or in different places of their life that they have room for a Jahan to kind of fit in here and there. But, um, they're, you know, they're from, for practical reasons. Like they go to the same coffee shop as you. I mean, anyway, so like I don't have a friend world that, that occupies a lot of my time. My closest friend in New York is like a 15-year-old girl whose father I used to date. And um, she and I hang out and make gluten-free cupcakes together. Um, but I like I think I actually have space to like think for the first time and process um, my work and what I want to do next and write because there's there's so much stimulation that I kind of am away from all of it and I get to just be inside myself. And in LA, I have to engage. I want to engage. If someone's selling um, mangoes on the corner, my window's down. I'm like, I'm on five different texts at all time. And there's just much more pulling me away from being inside of my myself and my thoughts. So New York's been really great for me to yes. grow in those wow. ways. Yeah. I don't think I'll live there forever, but for the next like maybe year or two, I'll, I'll continue to have like a dual multi-coast lifestyle and i think probably the next city will be in another country so I, I think i would live by countrily <laughs> by wow that's by a... continentally there we go there but, we are. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I, I know what you're saying and i like it um your huh. roots are very good my roots are good thanks you're to very... you and myself no you don't i do Okay, from a blonde to a blonde, you don't have any you don't have any lines, and I have a hard time believing that you do that yourself because it's so uniform. I I'm am so looking. I know this is an, an episode about lying, but I'm <laughs> looking you in the eyes and telling you the truth. That is, I do it myself. 
Oh, is a whole episode about lying? Let's no. continue. So you've never been married and you're still a virgin. <laughs> yes. Those are both true facts. Um, after you got divorced, how yeah. old were you when you had when you actually had good sex? Oh my gosh. This is I, I don't even know if I can really talk about this kind of stuff. But um I so too. <laughs> um <clears throat> I had um I had different sexual encounters that taught me that um, you could be sexual with even outs- without sex. So before I had ever had sex, it was always in um, the realm of like, we're doing something bad, but we're doing as much as we can because we're not able to have sex. So we'll, you know, like, uh, you know, I'll just rub myself against you in my jeans and you're in your jeans and we're listening to like, you know, Celine Dion. Um <laughs> So, so that was like a shame, the shame, the idea of like kind of like hidden shameful sex and the sex that it's not even actually sex, but this sort of sexual experience had to come at like the price of your self-esteem. And so all of a sudden being married, divorced, having had sexual experiences that were kind of bizarre, you know, not French kissing for many years. Um, all of a sudden I was be I was falling in love with people who were so sexual and sensual and understanding of me and and kind with me in ways that I had never experienced um, a lover to be, even without sex. And it was like so fulfilling. It was the first time I'd ever really been introduced to that. And then also like be able to work through some of the shame element of like someone could kiss my shoulder and I not feel like, oh my gosh, this is like a boundary break. And, you know, next it's going to be sex. Like it was just being appreciated, um, like centrally was like a revelation for me. That's almost like your last name. My last name? Yeah. Oh, centrally? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Zendrily. Jahan Sensually. (laughs) I'm going to change my last name to Jahan Sensually. It's funny that yeah, I've actually never thought of that. I always use gingerly as the reference for oh, my no, last name. Essentially is way better. Essentially. <gasps> yes. I like yeah. it. I have such a hard last name. No one can say it. I just, I answer to Zen surly or curly all the time. Well, I'm just going to, whenever I can't remember, now I know how to do it. You're That's a queen. Cool. I'm looking around at your house and I'm just like, this is a queen's house. Oh, thank you. Queen it. as in like K-W-E-E or like queen, like the actual, you know. Actually, I would have to say you're, well, you know, more like queen, uh, queen, the um, artist queen um, mixed with like your queen, like Q-W-E-E-N-E-E-I-E. No, everything in here feels very, very, like very sumptuous and sensual. Mm, Thank you. I I mean, from here over, but I think it might be just the neon that's really kind of creating that feel. Yeah. I wonder if the rest of the house is as sum- sumptuous and sexual. We try. We yeah. try. We're into it. I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you can't talk about your first good sex. Oh, my gosh. I mean, if we're going there, we're going there. I think my first good sex was... Um, uh, oh, it was... It was um, I feel like I've been blessed with a lot of good sex. And... I think in the last, about a year ago, I had an exchange with someone where we like exchanged uh, spirits, like like minds. I don't know if this is a thing, but I, it may have been a really warm day 
But um, I felt my body, my mind leave my body. And I thought, I think this might be, I think this might be good sex. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. And how do you know that the other person had the same experience? Well, when you have that experience, you're like spirits, you know, like high five and exchanging bodies and like whirling around. I mean, like you just kind of like you're in a new state and zone. And afterwards, I was like, do we need to talk about that? He's like, I don't know what we even say. It was crazy. Have you ever had sex on or near your balloons? No, no. I mean, near what would near mean? Because I'm like around balloons all of the time, um, but never on balloons. No. Just wanted to know. What an interesting, I think, well, latex is a heap, is like a heat and uh, moisture barrier. So like it would be so uncomfortable. It would be like making love on a, on a plastic coated couch. Like, I mean, I feel like you, if anyone could make it good, you would figure out a way. It's, it's those two years of not French kissing. That's really pulling me back. <laughs> okay. I've got that. I've got that on my, on my record. I don't know. My Okay, so my mom is sort of a newlywed. She's been married for maybe eight, six years, seven years. That's a newlywed. Um, and her, uh, I went sex uh, toy shopping for my mom for her, for her wedding gift, which is kind of an interesting thing that you can only do when you're an adult, in adulthood. And it's not weird because you can like get there with your parents and your kids. She was not having sex with her husband until they got married because they're, both Mormon as well. So like oh, wow. the people in their fifties having sex, you know, for the first time. Well, I mean, they had each had sex before with, at the, you know, past and deceased spouses, but not with um, each other, but not with each other. And my stepfather was so excited that he left the car running and forgot to turn off the car. And like the car was running, at, like they went to their hotel and he just left the car running. It wasn't like at valet or anything. It was like in a parking spot. And then like they found them and they're like, you've got a running car. It's been running for the last two hours because he was so excited. Yeah. That's actually cute. It is cute. Yeah. Is it weird cute for you since it's kind of like your stepdad? I'll, or is it like- I'll tell you something weird. My mom likes to walk around the house half naked or all naked. And in front of her daughter, that's not at all weird. Like, I've seen her naked, and I'll let her see me naked. And if I go home, it's like, it'll be a flash, or it's like she's walking to and from the bathroom, and she's like, doesn't have a shirt on, but has underwear. Like, it's a very, it's not Normal. like a provocative, it's like, we're we're in in motion of, of clothing and non, non-clothing. But to see her naked... And then also for her husband to see her naked, it's two people looking at the same person with very different eyesight. That's when it becomes a little bit awkward because he's thinking like, oh, that's my woman. That's my lady. And she has no bra on. And I'm like, oh, do my mom and I have the same breasts? And like, do we look very <laughs> much alike? And she has a mole there. And it's it's two very, um, yeah, w- weird ways of seeing the same person naked at the same moment. Um and that's like a little too close for me. So I think that's probably why I don't sleep over there very often. Cause I just, you know, newlyweds, like they're still, they're still enjoying themselves. That's good. So good. That's so great. And it's really interesting to me that you say that they didn't have sex till they got married because we were just talking to some of our friends this past, uh, on New Year's day. So just mm-hmm. a bit ago and, um, and the husband and, and the wife said that they got 
they when they got married they hadn't had sex with anyone mm-hmm. and they they were saying that they got into a fight because because they one of them said if something happened to you and you died i wouldn't wait before i got married again and the other partner was like you wouldn't you would just start having sex and they got into this huge fight and then they and then they both landed on oh yeah who actually who yeah. actually would wait that's weird yeah that's actually weird so that's really interesting that your mom was like no I'm doing yeah oh no no they were very committed to it so you know they had to stop french kissing for a while because it got too hot and heavy are you serious yeah Is this I mean, a- before they before they got married i mean um wow. yeah no i mean the the, the same prin- uh, princi- principles apply like you are to be just sexual with your spouse so if you're mormon and you are s- still hoping to stay mormon like you really believe that mm. and you know yeah it's 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 a thing it's a thing does your mom ever talk to you or feel give any sort of sense of being disappointed that you're not mormon anymore um Yes and no. I think it's very hard for her. And she, um, I think for her, it's to know that I'm okay, regardless of whatever path I've taken, that I'm ultimately happy. And I think that's a harder thing for her to wrap her mind around that there's, there's other ways and there's many ways to be truly happy. And it's kind of, it's allowing someone else to create that value and, and for you not to like hold so much of your, um, she has to she has to suspend what she believes it takes to be happy to to really trust me that I am happy in my life. And she's she appears to be doing that. And I'm really proud of her. And I know it's not easy. Mm. And it's it, I remember being very active Mormon and having friends who left the faith and being so sad for them and feeling that their lives were never going to be as good. And it's very humbling to be on the other side and realize, like, it's good or better. We'll see. But be true to myself that that makes the biggest difference so it sort of doesn't it doesn't matter where I where like what my lifestyle is now as long as I'm true to it then I'm I can stand behind it and I feel happiness and satisfaction and that I'm living my truth I like it well I know you're about to do some stuff with the New York Ballet right did I say that right yeah I'm doing stuff with the New York Ballet are you stressed ballet oh sorry yeah Are you stressed that a balloon is going to pop during like a super chill ballet song? Nope, not at all. Um, Actually, they the balloons will not be part of the actual dancing. Oh, that would be their nightmare. Um, I'm the only artist that they've collaborated with that has like an art that could possibly translate to that. Um, Like, I mean, it would make sense for there to be like balloons on dancers and you know, if you actually come, you may see that. I'm not going to promise anything, but they won't be the ballet dancers. Um, I feel like every time I say ballet dancer, I'm saying belly dancer, like I'm working with belly dancers, which <laughs> is maybe a slightly more interesting project. But um, the ballet is interesting. Beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, and I've been touched in, in the last few months of working with them with the amount of dedication that everyone has to operate the ballet. It's not just the dancers. Everyone feels very, very connected and committed to sustaining this type of art, this type of experience. And um, I've really loved working with them just from like a, like humans who are really passionate about their, about what they do and feel a very strong sense of commitment and um, to, to 
the arts, but specifically to ballet, which I know very little about. I'm a ballet dropout. It was not, it was not my sport. Um, I get to come in and I get to look at everything from the perspective of someone who knows nothing and who doesn't belong there. And who's not even really from the city. And I get to determine like how I want people to engage that would never be in Lincoln Center um, or at the ballet to come in and be part of something that is now for them in a way to introduce art and ballet and balloons or what I do in a really kind of unique way. So I'm, I'm excited just to have like a stab at creating a new experience for people. Um, the Lincoln Center is next to Juilliard and uh, Fordham University and the Philharmonic and the Met. And there's like this level of a very pedigreed art that has happened and continues to happen there. And I come in with, you know, latex balloons and I get to make very, very simple art over the entire area. And that just brings me a lot of joy that we can simplify art and the experience of what beauty and what, um, oh, what, what artistry is to something as simple as a balloon. I, I feel very, uh, validated. So it's been wonderful for my ego. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to your ego. Um, with the ballet. Yes. So I'm hearing there's not going to be balloons on stage. There will be there will be balloons. There will be no balloons on the performance stage and in another area which is kind of considered a stage, there will be balloons. There will be balloons everywhere you go when you're at the ballet, but the performers are not under going to be underneath canopies of balloons. Okay. Unfortunately, I mean the bureaucracy of the ballet is so impressive that, like, I can't even go in and inflate a balloon without someone watching me. So having balloons over dancers would be a huge risk that they would not take. Are you serious? As a heart attack, yes. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait. I wish <clears throat> that I was going to be in New York. But my sister lives there. I'll have her go in my honor. Please send your sister as my date. I will. I'll tell her. Stick around for part two of this discussion to hear a Q&A with Jahan Zendrali about her social media practices. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?